in today's quest, all things must rise and fall. The last Ostrogothic king is at hand. This is the quest for power. Welcome to the Quest for Power, where we are ranking and reviewing all of the European monarchs from the early Middle Ages to World War I. We are Scott and Michael, and we are your historical hosts through our epic journey through what is now the last of the Ostrogothic Empire. And so we've been going through a very long and hard-fought Gothic war that's been going all over Italy. Um, and has had a lot of back and forth between uh, the Eastern Roman uh, Empire and uh, our good friends, the Ostrogoths. So we've had, we've had our ups and downs. You think you might have a comeback. We're on to the last king of the Ostrogoths, uh, Teia, or Teia. We'll uh, once again have to butcher and mangle our way through he has our pronunciation. Several, I think he has several names, which we'll get to later. It's kind of ridiculous. Oh, not just pronunciations, just full-blown names, yeah? Just full-blown names. Okay, um, so the last king of the Ostrogoths, Teia. Well, that's what I'm going with. That sounds good. I like to. I like Teia. I can. I can say it. It sounds very. I can. I read it like a Spanish name with the T E I. Again, you probably don't know, but um, so it just Teia is really easy for me to see. Say, yeah. No, that, it's it's a common thing, at least amongst a few languages, where you have um, a, a I is a E sound. Yeah, I don't know what you would call that in English. That one would be atrocious in English. Probably just say Teia. Yeah, yeah, probably. So anyways, uh, now that we've kind of uh, gotten you uh, roped in maybe a little bit, uh, let's let's talk about uh, how we hopefully will not uh, fade away like the Ostrogoths. So like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram at Quest for Power Pod. Or email us at questforpowerpod at gmail.com. Look at that. Good segues. So. Um, Killing we, it. Yeah. We're, we're on a roll today. <laughs> so, uh, honestly, I feel like it's been a while. What have we even been doing? I don't even know what I've been doing. You don't know What's what you've been on, doing? Um, I I mean, we we did have a D&D campaign. I cannot tell you what we did. That's not very uh, good news for, for my campaign. <laughs> That's fair. Well, we're, we're we're in a battle, I think. Yeah, yeah, we're in the middle of a battle. I think we literally paused in the middle of a battle because we're all we getting tired. Yeah, well, we had like legit. It, I dislike. I remember over the now. Internet. You had a very different puzzle for us, where like those of us who wore heavy metal and were heavily armored, and we lean on that, you built a big magnet room, which kind yes, of screws the floor you. Is magnetic. <laughs> yes, that's right. So, uh, yeah, magnets was surprisingly effective, and uh, I guess it also helps that your uh, previous monk friend who had zero uh metal weapons has uh perished so 
you have a group filled with uh but I, I'd say, honestly you guys were pretty uh strong able to overcome it a lot more spell casting so i think you all did okay i think uh, now that we got a druid involved there's a little more spell casting yeah yeah so you know you've got uh and a new cleric so yeah uh, so, so there's that i think that playing uh over the internet is just kind of a hassle uh that and also <laughs> just it just becomes harder to to think of all this stuff and keep everything fresh so yeah but how else are you gonna get it from you know like michigan um ohio tennessee wisconsin like all of yeah. those like that that's all over the map and you're <laughs> you're never gonna get us in one room for a long time if ever someday I'll I'll make it happen someday. So, someday. Well, I've in addition to that, I've also been listening to the Alexander Standard, who we uh, will probably feature at the top of the episode um, or right after this. They're pretty awesome. Uh, I've been enjoying. They have these uh, make believe commercials, which are very fantastic. And the first time I was listening to it, I wasn't really paying attention. Like I was doing dishes or something, and then I heard a commercial. I was like. This is like really early episodes. How do they have sponsors already? And then um, realized it was a fake commercial and it was actually pretty great. Like they do it based oh, okay. on whatever ruler it is that at that time. Um, oh, that was, I was wondering was what funny. on earth you meant by fake commercial. Yeah, they do these weird fake commercials that are absolutely fantastic. And they sound so realistic. It's it's their special effects are just fantastic. And the way mm, they yeah. modulate their voices is really really good so i i've been enjoying that one and then um because i'm a podcast fiend so you think you can rule persia um i'll link uh i'll just spell out both of them uh, in the show notes because uh, both are fantastic i really enjoy them and since we're on the topic let's uh take some time and introduce you to our friends at the alexander standard roll the clip <laughs> My name is Meredith. And my name is Dustin. And we're the host of... The Alexander Standard. <clears throat> That's better. Inspired by Rex Factor Podcast, we rank all the successors of Alexander the Great. From Perdiccas... To Cleopatra the Seventh. After Alexander the Great died, really hit the fan. Seriously, the Hellenistic world was a crazy place. And we've got some crazy stories to tell you. So please come check out our show, The Alexander Standard. Well, with that, you got anything else? Nope. We're uh, All right. moving on. Sounds good. Let's jump on to our sources. And I think this is the last time for quite a while we will have Procopius, you know, our favorite Roman scribe who was actually living during this time. And we also have Gothic historian's favorite punching bag, Jordanes. So... We, we also have him. I don't know how long we are going to have him for uh, for the next one. I don't recall. But uh, also just kind of a note, this is our third barbarian ki uh, kingdom that is going to come to an end, which is kind of crazy. Well, all good well, things. Well, third dynasty, I should say, because we had the Balti dynasty. The Visigoths still live on, but the yeah. dynasty kind of collapses. So, yeah, yeah. but... 
But Rome has stayed strong. I mean, it broke away. <laughs> yeah, staying strong is yeah. That's it's a little generous. The but... eastern part stayed strong. <laughs> yeah, that is that's true. All right, Scott. Do you remember? We can't even remember what we did, you know, um, recently. But do you remember what happened last time on the quest for power? Um, we uh, Totilly had Totilla. Oh boy, that um, was that was atrocious, but great. Uh, yeah, so man, uh, uh, competent for the most part, and then just kind of lost his cool at the end and, uh, had a horrible, just like suicidal charge because he got caught lying about his wife's dress. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> I like badly describing episodes. I know. I think that's gonna, <laughs> I think that's gonna become a mainstay. <laughs> so sorry if you guys don't like that you can yell at scott um i feed off your anger let's go <laughs> all right welcome to the crumbling court of teia king of the ostrogoths as i i got no other words for him he's just the last king um you could call him murderer teia the murderer i think we'll, we'll go with that teia the murderer king of the ostrogoths teia is also known by teja or Teja, depending if it's English or Spanish, Theia, Thyla, Thela, or Teias. There's a T and an A in there. Yep. So as long as history orients just really couldn't just get it together and go, this is his name. So that's that's what we have to go off of. I'm gonna refer to him as Teia because it was just that is the first one that I resonate that like I saw. So it looked cool. We're going to go with it. Um, we're going to, this is really going to shock you. We know nothing about his upbringing. So, in fact, he didn't even appear in the written record until he was a military officer serving under our previous king, Totilla. Kind of par for the course. Yeah, yeah. After the death of Totilla at the Battle of Taganay, I'm going to say it's that. But also, apparently, it's known as the Battle of Busta Galorum, which is way better than Taganay. I like that one. Uh, Taia was raised over his shield and proclaimed king in 551. After the catastrophic defeat at this Battle of Busta Galorum, or Taganay, Taia summoned all of the remaining Goths. It's probably a probably a good idea to do this since you kind of need to hit a reset button when your king just did a suicide charge like all the ostrogoths are like yeah he basically summoned whatever remaining ostrogoths were left because okay. i mean we've been battling wars they're they don't have much land left i'm sure they're struggling you know there's parts and pockets of like strongholds here and there yeah yeah Gotta and let then, everyone know you're in charge now. Yeah, yeah. And then what? And then he went and followed through on Totila's promise to Justinian on what would happen if the Romans didn't leave Italy. Do you remember this? Uh, yes. It was like burn everything or kill everyone. It, it was brutal. It, it, it was. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was pretty brutal. So once he had all the warriors at his side and the act of vengeance 
basically for Totilla, Teia ordered the slaughter of all the Roman senators in Campania, which is the region surrounding Naples, Italy. Sources go on to say this included Flavius Maximus, who had been exiled by Belisarius. I, I don't understand why they had to include that, but it was highlighted, so there you go. Um, this is going to sound pretty cold-hearted, but, you know, good for him. Like, <laughs> you need to show Rome actions have consequences, and you need to back up your threats. It was kind of arguably the first major... Um... I guess downfall of Totilla, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, in these in these days, I mean, this is going to happen all the time in medieval. Like, you need to back up what you're going to say, otherwise, people are just going to go just ignore you and roll over you, and before you know it, you have the quest for no power. Yeah, quest quest for the race <laughs> to the bottom. Yeah, race from the bottom. The little problem with this is he also massacred about 300 Roman children who were all hostages that Totilla had grabbed. Well, um, it's a there is a certain level you might uh, go a little too far in the sense that your hostages are important. But they or are, are they like the or are they truly or are they like the political hostages? They're the political hostages. Well, so, they're not anymore. Like. So <laughs> <laughs> no, no, they are not. I mean, I get it. It's over the top. I get it. I, I bet he. I wonder if he doesn't even think like this thing is gonna last. So he's like, I'm just gonna take as many people out with me. You know, yeah, I'm that ticked off. We're just gonna, we're just throw a big middle finger to Rome. Either that, or you just you you decimate the place as badly as possible and hope yeah. that it just becomes too costly for Rome to. I, or I'd say Rome, Eastern Rome, Byzantines, uh, to reinvest time, effort, people to resettle, right? Yeah. If you completely, not to say that it's realistic, but if you completely wipe all people off of, say, Rome, it's a lot of people. And you got to, like, come up with new population to support <laughs> if you want to, like, have new that is true. military activity. Because no one's going to be working them farms. That if, is the, uh, yeah, if there's no one there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's again really kind of very dark hearted and yeah. um, what's the term? It's, it's scorched earth, or am I thinking of You're just thinking, total war? Yeah, total uh, war. It is yeah, total war, um, which is what war was back. I mean, but, war was total war even up to World War Two. I mean, Vietnam. I mean, it's still today. Today it's total war. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Totilla was nice about things. Yeah, and understand so, that. But so apparently you have an option. So. But yeah, there there is that level of they have to go all the come all the way from, uh, you know, the east. They got to bring like a lot of people, yeah, if they want to repopulate. Repopulate, so there's some yeah. tactical uh, prudence to it. I think it's more of a big middle finger because that too. <laughs> there's. Do you want to talk about tactical? Rome is superior in every way. They have better soldiers. They have better weapons. They have better. And the key thing is they have better organization. And they are constantly supplied. Like they have it all. They are the true empire in like Star Wars. It's really going to be hard to take them down. So basically it's one of those, well, I'm going to just kill everyone, you know, take it with me he should have just burned down rome then if you're gonna do that well after he uh went well that's done he i, I got the children killed he got the senators killed he uh 
grabbed his army and he marched all the way up to Pavia in uh, northern Italy. And he grabbed all the available treasures. I wonder if that was like an old Roman stronghold or an old, probably an old Gothic stronghold. And he just went, all right, we're going to grab all the gold. And then it appears, again, the sort, th- this story is just, it's very, I cobbled it together from various sort, from like various things. There's not really one linear story. This is the most linear I could come up with. So at some point then he went, um, I'm going to go back down. He, I wonder if he was like running away or something like that. But it appears after he got done taking all the treasure, he marched back down Italy and he grabbed like the all-star team of Gothic generals along the way for a final stand against the eunuch Narses and the Romans. And this all-star team included Scipiar, who was a top Gothic general that actually fought alongside Totilla and wounded his killer. So apparently Mm -hmm. he wasn't able to kill his killer because of during the battle, um, he himself, I think, was wounded or something like that. Or, like, he they had to run away because Totilla was dead. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was, a, it, was a, it was a crappy situation. Yeah. So we he, he grabbed him. He grabbed this man named Indolf, who was a Roman mercenary that defected to the Ostrogoths. And apparently he was one of Belisarius's bodyguards. So that's kind of interesting that mm. he was labeled as kind of one of the all-stars. Uh Gibal, who Procopius states is the most notable among the Goths under Totilla. That's all that was given it's for a that. Title. Right. Uh, it's a pretty solid title. And then my favorite of all, his name is Regnaris. He was a Hunnic warlord that appeared to fight for the Goths just because he hated the Romans that much. Understandable. <laughs> So I, I, I don't know. I really enjoy it. Rome has become the big bad guy in our series of what the Visigoths, the Vandals, and all the Ostrogoths. They're, they're the big bad, um, and we Assemble won't get to the them. Avengers. Yeah. So, and we won't get to them for a while. So we're not going to be on their team for quite a bit. In late fifty, in late five hundred fifty-two or early five fifty-three. Taia marched his forces um, a little south of Naples to make like the last stand against the oppressive Roman Empire. I mean, this battles has the all the hallmarks of a, you know, a grand cinematic last fight. Here we go. This is for all the marbles. And um, for some reason, historians don't want to talk about this, which I think it's it's pretty like kind of cool talking about a last stand of a once proud a very proud kingdom so Taia grabbed all the top ostrogothic commanders and fighters and the battle of montelectarius that's the word uh commenced in the shadows of mount vesuvius the very volcano that buried pompeii kind of fitting and symbolic during the fierce fighting Taia fell and despite their king being killed in battle, the Goths continued their battle for survival until dusk on the next on that day he was killed and all through the next day. So normally when a commander, you know, falls, everyone just drops their short sword, shields, and run. But uh the Goths continued fighting, which is pretty impressive. That's what so, the extra generals are for. Exactly. Scipiar and Gibal were also slain during the fighting. Doesn't say when, but they were 
uh, killed. And there must have been a break in the fighting because before it commenced again, after the second day of, you know, all out war yet, the Goths negotiated uh, a peace and armistice. Indolf and Regnaris went, screw you, I am not going to bow down to the Romans, and they ran away after the battle. They escaped. We'd never hear of Indolf again in history, so maybe he settled down, found a wife, became a farmer. Highly <laughs> doubt it, but maybe became a Viking. Who knows? He went all the way up to Scandinavia. Attacked by wolves. <laughs> there we go. Um, and then our favorite Rome-hating Hun, Regnaris, his fate was a little more interesting. He reappears in 554 as the leader of 7,000 Gothic troops. So he's like, we're gonna keep, we're gonna keep this, you know, kingdom alive. He's holding it by, by the threads. And this is possibly made of all the survivors of Teia's last standing. So there still were quite a bit of stragglers. And his hatred of Romans fueled his resistance against them that they he was able to occupy an actual fortress, the fortress of Compsa, and Narcissus laid siege to them in the winter. But the Goths apparently held out really easily. They secured a ton of food and supplies before they closed the gates and just went, I can sit here all day. I know you can't to Rome. Yep. <laughs> winter is a pretty pretty rough time to hold a siege it really is not a not a not a good time uh in in the spring Narcissus and regnaris met to discuss possible terms but you know they could never find common ground kind of hard to meet for terms when you absolutely hate your enemy to the nth degree you're not gonna want peace with them and Regnaris proved like he hated the Romans true. He attempted to shoot Narses with an arrow and was immediately attacked by the general's bodyguards and was mortally wounded. His men <laughs> carried him back into the fortress, but he died two days later, and the last Gothic stronghold finally surrendered, ending this horrible, bloody, and very costly Gothic wars along with Theodoric's once mighty Ostrogothic kingdom. The Ostrogoths kind of, um, what's going to happen is they're going to kind of fade in and assimilate with, you know, the rest of uh, Italy. And then it's not going to be long. Uh, Rome's going to hold Italy for a hot second before a group called the Lombards come in and then they're going to take control for quite a while. So, um... Before we rate Taia, and it's such a short episode, we should probably, uh, let's sum up what we've gone through with the Ostrogoths. Theodoric was our only king, our only leader that died peacefully at an old age. Well, you know, that's the price of uh, competency, is that we have one guy who does really, really well, and then frequently the at least one or two predecessors after just have a rough rough time inheriting a v very big shoes to fill doesn't that seem like that's the story of all three of our barbarian kingdoms we have the visigoths they started with alaric you know um the guy after he was okay he was fine and then they kind of took a tumble for a little bit were built up by Euric, and then they fell again 
the Vandals, they were built by Geyserich, this massive figure. I mean, he he did one of my favorite things, which was march into Rome and just sat there for 14 days taking everything. And my favorite visual is, you know, people prying off copper. <laughs> off, the, the off the roof. <laughs> off the roof. I absolutely love that visual. And then uh, now we have the Ostrogoths, who also, they started with Theodoric the Great, and then we kind of went... We had a very big, a little bit of a tumble. But the thing with the Ostrogoths, I don't think too many of the kings were pathetic. I think it was just no. they were in a crappy situation the entire time. Yeah, you know, a lot of a lot of their uh, scenarios also revolve around um, the politics of particularly Rome and policies, but also uh, well, we have the Franks too, right? Yeah. So yeah. There's kind there's kind of this um, spot where what they are doing is and their successes are determined largely by the uh determination of their uh other surrounding factors right like um and may i might be bungling things up now but um geyserich may have been less successful if they had just gone full-blown uh belisarius on everything and had been you know in rome say yeah, well, Geyserich, remember, he was around during West Rome. Exactly. Well, that's so, what I mean. Like, is that, like, it, it's kind of like the time and the place, right? Yeah, like, exactly. That West Rome was kind of mismanaging um, mm -hmm. and uh, giving away ransom money like hotcakes, apparently. <laughs> yeah. So, but, but to all the wrong people. And, but yeah, like, if Belisarius uh, were there and... Then, then it would have been a different and, story, yeah, at least. And you had Justinian's ambition as in the emperor's exactly. seat. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. you have Justinian as a he's a force. He he also, really is. He will be interesting when we go through him way later because we're not going in that direction. We're going in a different direction. Um, but uh, to kind of sum up, let's, let's let's look at all the ways they died. Um, Alasuntha was strangled to death in her bath, uh, which sparked the Gothic Wars. So we had two rulers that were not in the Gothic Wars. Otherwise, we've been sitting in the Gothic Wars since after Amalasuntha. And remember during her episode, Justinian the whole time was sitting there like a creepy, you know, like <laughs> uncle, like I want to take all their stuff right now, but I have to wait. And he just sat there just watching. Yep. <laughs> so Theoda had, uh, he was killed because he did absolutely nothing. Oh, this is six Kings. We're about to go. We went through. And so we talked about Theoda had Vitigus. He got himself captured and then he quietly died two years later his widow was forced to marry a Roman general that was the cousin of Justinian. So kind of a humiliating way to go. I don't think he died of peaceful terms. The fact that he died two years later really was suspicious to me. Yeah. Ildabad got himself killed by pissing off his bodyguard <laughs> during because uh, he moved his like lover. He married off a bodyguard's lover while the yeah. bodyguard was off fighting. So that wasn't smart. And then Eurarik, who was after him, got himself executed for literally the highest form of treason that I can absolutely think of when he tried to sell the entire kingdom. Totila died in a fruitless charge, and Teia capped it all off, as you would expect with a heroic last stand. And all of this, and Justinian is still sitting on the Roman throne. 
Yeah. Well, kind of crazy. We didn't say that they were pathetic, but honestly, looking back on this, at least a few were. Yeah. Like yeah. the ones who did nothing. Yeah, Theoda had was pretty. I think Theoda had really ruined it. I think Amala Suntha wasn't pathetic. She just she was a woman, and that really sucks, you know, in this warrior culture. It really sucks that the way the culture viewed her because i think well, she was her father's daughter and she could have she was a force of nature it's just she couldn't get the rest of the ostrogoths to go with her yeah well and also and again uh history can be a little bit twisted mm -hmm. but we, we also did talk about the roman politics of the time too yeah yeah so she had a supposed favoritism towards rome that is true she so, did do that yeah yeah so there's not, so there's that too not great so that's all i have for taia and the ostrogothic kingdom are you ready to rate him yep all right let's close this thing out how long do you think his reign was like three years uh let, let's try <laughs> he reigned from 552 to 553 so oh. about a year okay <laughs> Uh, all right so positives he had enough power to execute hundreds of hostages and enough charisma to gather all the remaining powerhouse scoths and they continued fighting long after his death negatives well he lost the entire kingdom but to be fair it was pretty much gone by the time he was made king it was yeah. just not there uh all right, well, I'm just going to jump right into that and say he gets, like, a one. Yeah, I'm going to give him one for the... the <laughs> Murder, death, kill. Murder, death, kill, and uh, inspiring. All takes one. Yeah, it uh, for me, it doesn't feel like much because those people probably all hated the Romans anyways. Yeah. So they were probably all chomping at the bit to... Yeah, like, they're like, true. we're going to die anyways yeah that's true i can see that they they weren't they were they were staring down the barrel of well i guess maybe not belisarius because you think he might have been recalled but Narcisse they're staring down the, the barrel of rome and uh that ain't that ain't gonna look good no no it is not all right so for one and one for a total of two all right infamy all right, so for aggravating of factors, I mean, the obvious. He executed around 300 children and many senators, all of which were non-combatants. I mean, in these in this day and age, that is the textbook of, uh, you know, <laughs> war crimes. Yeah. Um, but uh, in, in those day and age, that's kind of par for the course. That He was uh, following through on a promise. Well, well, not his promise, but how many uh, uh, Roman, uh, you know, Romans really got? I don't, you know, I, I don't know. I did not. Senators sources didn't say. They just he just said all this, all the senators in Campania, oh, and okay, that's right. all it gave me. <laughs> we don't even know how many. Um, so it feels I feels kind of infamous. Probably quite a bit. I'm guessing he grabbed, he killed quite a bit. I mean, it's pretty infamous. He, he that's a lot of children. 300 children's ex excessive yeah that so... the fact that they had 300 children as hostages 
and they were on the downcline is impressive alone. I didn't realize that. Like that mm. that's kind of nuts. So I'm willing think... to splurge on a seven. Wow. I'm gonna give him a five. All right. Fair enough. All right. So a seven and a five for twelve. Religious passion. All right, I think I'll, I get to I'll say... start first. Zeros. <laughs> I was going to say, I'll say this for the last time. It's really, really hard to build a church when you're fighting for the survival of your kingdom. Start small. Stick with pamphlets. <laughs> All right. <next>. Zero. <laughs> stability. What I stability? Can... <laughs> yeah. Um the, the the most stable thing is the dust that settled after everyone died. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Yep. There, yeah. There's there's a whole lot of nothing. Yeah, I, I agree. Zero. All right. Royal demise. He might have something here. He died during a last stand, and this was the last stand of an entire kingdom. And the sources talk about it as a pretty epic battle that happened. Yeah, that that was never recorded. But yes, I'm kidding. You're, you know I what mean, I mean? Yeah. Like, just yeah, or that was never heavily discussed. Never heavily discussed. But the, I mean, if you look at it, it sounds pretty impressive. Like I don't yeah. know. In the in, the, in to... this background of Mount Vesuvius, you have. I mean, I could just see it. You know. <laughs> yeah, I'm willing to give him a five there because he assembled uh, the Avengers. Oh yeah. And he got to go to, you know big uh big volcano have duke it out die in the battle yeah i agree i'll give him a five all right so full marks so 10 oh five and five for 10 all right last one legacy all right so dynasty aspect i could not find anything about his family if he had any he also lost an entire kingdom. It's extinct. It's gone. Nothing. He uh, the the legacy he left behind is that he was the last king of the Ostrogoths and he put up a last stand. Yeah. I can't, not, I can't not a lot to go on. I can't give him anything. You lost an entire kingdom. That is the opposite of legacy. That's his like loss is his legacy. I mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right zeros all around all right scott how many points is this out of 100 so for a total of 13 and 11 for 24 points total wow that's uh that's that's pretty solid i wish can you compare that to anyone <laughs> uh better than totilla really wow by three points interesting if you're if you're burning to know exactly where the points came from it's pretty much entirely off of the back of infamy i figured and his demise i yes totello was just kind of like pretty middle of the road he that's had good true. power that's as, about as far as it gets yeah that's true uh so enough eric was did better <laughs> um eric, how much should eric have again 25 wow so one that, more point that's a lot <laughs> <laughs> for what he did well infamy will In do it for you yep so yeah pretty comparable actually to yeah. very infamous um two very infamous people 
Yeah. That was I'd even agree. accounting for negative points we gave for stability on Oh, that's right. Eric. Yeah. So yeah. impressive. Very good job. So he may have gained, was it 23 points? But that doesn't mean anything. Does should he be crowned as high king, become a minor lord at court, or burned at the stake? The king I don't, of dust. I don't <laughs> think he deserves to be burned. I don't think he was pathetic. I yeah, like fair. you said he 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 did the Avengers. He he assembled the Avengers. <laughs> he he had a heroic last stand. Definitely not a high king. Obviously not. But I think he earns a minor lord at court. Yeah, that's fair. He gets to kind of chill in the ghost castle uh, yeah. in the afterlife. The great, <laughs> the great ghost castle in the sky. Yeah, yeah, not quite Valhalla, but <laughs> yeah. But you get good food and drink, so that is true. Yep. We'll take it. All righty. So, well, Scott, you have any further thoughts on this Ostrogothic kingdom, which we have been doing for a couple of months now? Um really kind of once again depressing to see just one thing that's built entirely off the backs of like one one person pretty much yeah Yeah. and then you just watch everyone else just kind of like bungle their way through it (laughs) as as Um, it collapses the entire time it's like a it's like a uh a roller coaster where you bring it up to the top you know right away and then the sheer gravity is what carries it all the way around Oh, I thought uh, my comparison was going to be Theodoric just handing uh, the uh, next person in line. He just takes some, a handful of sand and ho- tells him, hold this. Okay, yes, that is a he great just let it, way. It just slips out. The next person, yep. hold this. More slips out as they just are holding the sand that's slipping through their fingers. Uh, that is yeah. a great comparison. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really what it feels like. So mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to seeing, hopefully, where we have more rulers who are uh, going to be reformative, and pro- yeah, I, I all connotations aside, progressive uh, in the sense that they're, you know, changing things. Well, I don't know if I uh, have good news for you. We are yeah, doing the Merovingians next, and mm. they maybe not progressive um all the i would argue the entire merovingians by the way they're the ones who created france what it is today um but they pretty much built it off the backs of one guy and that is clovis uh his uh he's got there's a fun little person childeric before him who i think is his father if i remember correctly uh but they have a lot more backstabbing oh my god the merovingians love to kill each other they start this horrible 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 i don't know what decision they made it but when a king dies all of the lands get divided amongst their children oh that's uh, that just spells disaster yeah so that's what we get to look forward to for the next however many months as we cover the merovingians but i think we get we have one of my favorite feuds um in the dark ages uh between i think fredegon and brunehild and one of them's a visigothic princess and one of them is a frankish uh i forgot i don't think she was a princess i think she was some sort of 
like a servant or something that just rose up in the ranks and became queen or I can't remember entirely. I'm butchered that horribly, but that's fine. Um, but it, it's going to be exciting. The Merovingians are going to be, yeah. a, I think a fresh breath of fresh air. They're not the standard, uh, barbarian kingdom that we've been dealing with where it's, yeah. where it's in a fight against Rome. It's not a fight against Rome. It's a fight against themselves. Yeah. In peacetime, you can, you got to fight somebody. <laughs> and in peacetime, if you're not fighting somebody outside, you're fighting somebody inside. Yeah. So I'm, I'm actually looking really forward to the Merovingians. I think they are not covered as much as they should be. They're absolutely fascinating family. Uh, that we also have our first puppet Kings. So that'll be interesting mm. to watch as well. All right. Do we review the puppet kings or do we review the puppeteer? That's a good question. Uh, if if anyone has thoughts on that, I don't know. I've been thinking of that myself because we say the monarchs, um, but we also are going to cover emperors, caliphs, and all that other stuff, which technically aren't monarchs. But um, I don't know how. I don't want to just say rulers. That's boring. We don't yeah, cover that's all the pretty rulers. Broad. Yeah. Uh, so. But uh, yeah, we'll have to, we'll get to that when we get there. But um, we for sure will, I think the way we're going to do it actually, now that we're talking about it, I think we're going to do it is we're going to take a different approach than most podcasts. I think we're going to attack it by dynasties. So um, we might cover multiple kingdoms under one storyline because we're going to follow that whole dynasty, which is uh, like the Merovingians are going to own part of Burgundia or not Burgundia, Burgundy. Wow. Terrible Burgundy. So hmm. um, th I think that'll be interesting. A little different way to cover things than just the kingdoms. Uh, but that brings us to the end of Teia. Let us know what you thought of him and the Ostrogothic kingdom as a whole. We would love to hear from you from the listener. You can catch us on Messenger on Facebook and Instagram at Quest for Power or email us at the Quest for Power pod at gmail.com. And uh, well, that's it. That's all we got for the Ostrogoths. Until next time, the king is dead. Long live whoever's next.